0: I want you to turn with me in the Word of God to First Peter chapter four. First Peter, chapter number four, will pick up Revelation chapter eighteen next week, Lord willing. But for right now, I'll turn to First Peter chapter number four, and this is going to be Simon Peter talking about. Also, this will be talking about the last days, and will be a prophetic message in a sense. And so, I want you to turn to First Peter chapter four, and we'll begin reading in verse. Number 12 through 19. And the Word of God says, of course, this would be one of the key verses to 1 Peter. And he says these words Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice insomuch. As ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you, and their part He is evil spoken of, but of your part He is glorified. But let none of you suffer. As a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it be first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Verse 19, wherefore, because of all this, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator." Now, I want to preach to you this morning, going back to verse number 12, as Simon Peter said, "...think it not strange concerning, uh, concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing is happening to you." And so, this morning, I'd like to preach on truths for trying times, truths for trying times. In fact, the theme of 1 Peter in this chapter is concerning suffering in the life of the saints, suffering in the life of the saints." Now there's a couple things as way of introduction that is talked about in chapter number four. And if you look at this in a historical sense and what is going on, is we know the evil Emperor Nero was on the throne during this time. And there was to be a fiery trial concerning them that were Christians, and the fact that they would undergo great persecution. Now we suffer through Christendom today and Christianity throughout the world, not so much in the United States besides maybe mockery and so forth as that goes. But in the world today there are those who are still martyred for the faith. There are still those that are tortured for the faith. There are those who are martyred for the faith. And these things are characteristic also of the the last days but have been a part of the truth. And those who follow Christ all throughout the centuries has been those who have been martyred. And so evil Emperor Nero is on the throne and he greatly tortured Christians. In fact he would take Christians, just an example, to take Christians and cover them in tar and to light them aflame and they would light his illustrious gardens. He greatly persecuted the church in that time and people who believe what we believe today. But there's a couple things that his way of introduction that Simon Peter talks about. Number one, an outline of the chapter before we dive into it. The first thing he talks about is he says it's time to deal with sin. He's talking to Christians, and he says it's time to deal with sin. Look at 1 Peter, and if you look back at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, the Bible says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time, there's that word again, time, characteristic of this chapter, past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, When we walk in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banqueting, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that ye not run with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Verse 5, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? Verse 6, for for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. If you look down to verse number 17, again, he talks about the fact we need to deal with sin for the time. There's that word. The time is come that judgment must first begin at the house of God, and if it begin at, uh, first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God. What a wonderful principle that a lot of times we're looking for the repentance of sinners, which is so important. They need to repent, first of all, most importantly, of the the sin, singular, of unbelief. That is the sin that will take you to hell is the sin, singular, of unbelief. You say, well, they have a lot of sins, plural, but will take them to hell will be the sin of unbelief. We want to see sinners repent. We want to see sinners come down to the aisle. But here what he's talking about is that judgment and repentance must first begin at the house of God. Christians, people who believe the gospel, church people need to deal with sin. Let me ask you here this this morning, do you have unconfessed, unresolved, unrepentant sin in your life that needs to be dealt with? If you're here and you're lost today, you need to focus on not the sins, but the sin of unbelief. And don't do like I tried to do when I was lost. I tried to clean myself up first, and then I said I'll go to church and do good, and I will get into church and start living for God, and guess what? I was never able able to overcome the sin in my life until I realized that I needed to be saved first And when you get saved, God will take care of the rest of that. Say amen right there. So we are to deal with sin. We should not have unconfessed, unresolved, unrepentant sin in our lives. We need to get it right, get it under the blood, get it forgiven, get it resolved. And when the world sees the church on its knees in repentance, when it sees the Christian repent, (laughs) then they will follow. But we can't expect them to take the first step if we're not willing to do it first. So judgment must first begin at the house of God. So let's get that resolved today. Let's get that cleaned up. Let's get it under the blood today. Well, let's move on because I know he's having a good time there, right? Move on, preacher. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7-11. through The second thing he talks about this time is in the chapter is these are demanding times. These are demanding times. We said in verses seven through 11. But the end of all things is at hand. In other words, he's talking about the end, and we've been talking about it in Revelation. We've been talking about the big $40 word. <laughs> we've been talking about uh, eschatology and end times and that type of thing. He's talking about the end. All right? This thing's getting ready to wind up, folks. If you look at your spiritual clock, you should be able to see, when you line up with the Word of God, that time is winding short. The end of all things is at hand, meaning it is imminent. It is, we're right on the brink. But be there, be ye therefore, because of all this, because the because it is imminent, the end is imminent, be sober, be seriously minded, and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity, which is love among yourselves for charity shall cover the multitude of sins i say amen to that verses 9 through 11 use hospitality one to another without grudging as every man hath received the gift even so minister the same one to another as good servants of the manifold which means many colored varied manifold grace of god now listen if any man speak let him speak as in the oracles of god if any man minister let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Folks, we live in very demanding times. We are in times. The next thing talks about, that we live in difficult times. Difficult times. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. He said, as we just read, we won't read that again, but we live in difficult times days in which we are faced we also live as it says in 1 peter chapter 4 verses 7 through 19 that we live in very dividing times we see that in america even today how we're so divided Uh, it talks about suffering and and suffered and the word strange and then the last thing it talks about is uh, that we found third is we come back to the difficult times let's go back to difficult times that's what we'll be talking about this morning there's a couple of things we're going to look at when it's concerning these difficult times. And as we're looking at the end, there's several other books and epistles that we need to pay attention to when we're thinking about Jesus Christ coming back in the, in the second coming in two phases, in rapture and then revelation. The rapture of Revelation chapter 4, 1 I mean, Thessalonians chapter 4, and then we have a second coming, which is Revelation chapter number 19. These all are part and characteristics. The Apostle Paul talked about the end times, and he talked about that in his epistle, and he talked about how in the last days, uh, you know, times are going to wax worse and worse, and so forth, and people are going to be deceived, and there's going to be the apostasy, a deliberate moving away from the truth. But today, we're going to look at a couple things here. Number one, concerning these difficult times, is the first thing I want you to notice: it is a solemn fact, a solemn. Fact, And the solemn fact is, folks, Christians, persecution will come. Persecution will come. Now, I'm not talking about maybe go- governmental. It could happen in the future in America. We don't know. Persecution from government. But in this world, we're going to face persecution. And what was amazing to me when I first got saved, well, let's, go, let's back up even before that when I was 18, between 16 and 19 years old, and I, and I wasn't saved. And the, and the way I lived, I had people in my family, and I had those who wanted me to just get enough religion, get enough, al- enough in church, just, just enough so I wouldn't embarrass the family, and just enough so I would not be well out there and, and be in the sense of disgrace <laughs> out there, and someone, they can, they can say, well, at least they come on Sunday morning. At least he comes every once in a while. But I'm telling you, when I examined this thing and I looked at all that Christ done for me, I thought to myself, if I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to jump in both feet, friend, and I'm going to live for God 100%. Now, there's one thing I've never known, never understood, is how people just dip their toe in the water of Christianity and serving God And it never goes beyond that. I'm saying, hey, just jump right in. All the way. Christ gave all for you. How can you just give him partial of your life or some of your life? No, we give him all our life. Every bit of it. And what happened was, is I got a little too much. Enough that people said, easy now the ones in my family says hey you know you're getting a little too much you're getting a little too serious about this thing we just wanted you really I mean they didn't say that but their actions was hey I just want you to you know come to church and be a good little boy right and maybe and and that type of thing but when I jumped full-fledged in and I said I'm gonna be there at Sunday school Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday night and have a revival meeting I'm gonna study the Word of God and pray and, and live for God and they said, whoa, easy, you're going a little too far with this thing. And then before you know it, you called to preach. And, but folks, listen, if you're living the, the Christian life like you're supposed to, there are people that are going to mock you, they're going to ridicule you, they're going to make fun of you. And let me say something. If they're not making fun of you, you're not, and they're not ridiculing you, you you're not a threat to them. Amen. They're going to point to you. They're going to ridicule. They're going to mock you. They're going to make fun of you. Let me just say that if you try to do anything and try to be successful in an area, people will make fun of you. I was talking to somebody about this last night. You start the first year out and you say, hey, I'm going to lose a little weight. People are going to make fun of you. They're going to say, well, good luck with that. I tried that one time and it didn't work out for me. You say, well, I'm going to try to get out of debt. They'll say, "Ooh, good luck with that. I hope it works out for you because I tried it. It didn't work out. And I'm telling you, if you do the things against the grain, people are going to make fun of you. So I say, let people make fun of you. Amen. All right. Make fun of you. So, a solemn fact that, listen, persecution will come. Here's what Christ said, the Lord Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 Blessed are ye, which means happy are ye. Blessed when men shall revile you and do what? Persecute you. And shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. You ever been slandered? You ever had someone lie on you? I have. But listen, rejoice. Let me back up. Got ahead of myself. And shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly, exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. I'm telling you, if you serve God and you live for God, let me tell you something. There's one man, one man upon the earth, walked the face of the earth that lived a a godly life that that was uh, tempted in all ways in which we are, but yet without sin. He was sinless. Never had impure thought. Never sinned. He was tempted, but temptation's not sin. It's when you succumb to the sin that it becomes a transgression. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, and they hated him, and they ridiculed him, and they reviled him, and they made fun of him, and they cast lots for his robe, and they ultimately crucified him. So let me say that if he, was ridiculed, living a perfect life, never double-crossed anybody, never lied on anybody, never gossiped about anybody, never crossed anybody, always done right, always, never sinned, and they crucified him. I'm telling you, you're going to be persecuted also. What does the Bible say? When men are reviling you, when men are persecuting you, and when they're saying all evil against you, falsely, and they're lying and slandering your name, for Christ's sake, the Bible doesn't say go back and, and tell one on them. The Bible says rejoice. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. I'm telling you, if, you, if you're if you in the ministry, people are going to make up all kinds of lies about you. I've had some put out some in the community and just lie about me. I'm going to tell you something. I don't even have to take half a baby aspirin to get over it because I know and my God knows the truth. And I don't go out fighting it and trying to battle it. I'm going to tell you what I do. other day I bought me a good old firm pillow over I bought me a new pillow finally. I broke down and got one. Best $7 at Walmart I've ever spent. And I can lay my head on that pillow at night and let the slanders and the revilers and the gossipers talk. And I just put on my old sleep apnea mask, and I'm out, friend. I tell you, I woke up the other night. I was so tired, I was I was out of it. Looked like a alien with that thing on. And uh, got this big old hose. Sometimes I wake up, I got it wrapped around my neck about three or four times, about to strangle myself with it. And my wife wakes me up. I'm in a dead sleep. I mean, I'm out. I mean, I'm I'm out. You come rob me blind. But I hope I wake up because I believe in the Second Amendment. Let me throw that in there. But uh, anyway, I'm laying there, and my wife wakes me up. Don't. She said, shh, shh, shh. says, Kaylee thinks you heard somebody uh, getting up, uh, someone trying to get through the window. Well, I got a ritual for that. I stand up, I grab a gun, and I search the house. Hmm. <laughs> you ever done that? Go around right, out? What? You're looking around. You're, you're, you're searching. You're looking. Of course, you hope to, hope to goodness you don't really find anything, right? And you, you're looking around. And I searched the house. Love, I've done it several times. And I'm telling you. Uh, but I'm glad I can lay there. I was trying to come back like, why am I even telling that story? It's because I bought that $7 pillow at Walmart and as everybody's talking, I can lay there on that pillow and it's so comfortable, I just sleep like a baby. And you say, how can you do that? Because, now, I, can't, I couldn't always do that, but I'm telling you, it's part of serving God. It's part of serving God. That there's going to be some ridicule. Persecution's going to come. Let's move on. Matthew 5, But I say unto you, listen, love your enemies. Didn't say love your friends, you love them. That's it. E- they're easy to love, right? Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. You ever done good to somebody who hates you? Let me tell you something. There are some people that don't like you. <laughs> you say, I want everybody to like me. That's what I thought when I first got in the ministry. I'm a preacher now. I'm a good little boy. Boop, 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 boop. Everybody love me now, right? He's a good little preacher. Doot, 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 doot. Just pat him on the little head. Everybody love him. Because all he's doing is trying to preach the gospel and preach the Bible. And everybody will love him. And guess what? I found it real quick. Boy, I got some people that hate me. They can't stand me. Hopefully they don't come to this church. And I mean, I go out in public. And when I was a kid, I'd, ha- I'd play with magnets. You know, it had the north and south end. And I like to put those two together, and they'd, like, separate. I can't remember which way it goes, but, you know, one way you put them, they'll, they'll pull away from each other. And that's what I feel like sometimes. I go in public. Well, I, it's like parting the Red Sea of people. Whew. People scatter. They go different places. I know i had been pastor a while. I went to Walmart one time. I seen two people. And I, I'm like, man, their eyes are just going every which way to avoid looking at me. And I, you know how I am? Hey, I'll walk right in the middle of that. I'll walk right in the middle of it. You try to avoid me, I, I'll play a game with you. I will chase you around. I will, make, I will make you say, hey. I mean, I'm just telling you. I'm not playing that game, friend. But look, come down there and go through the aisle, and man, they come this way, and they walk right past me, and they're just, You know all of a sudden, you go down the aisle, and you see somebody, you say, preach, you ought not bring this up. Well, I'm glad God called me to preach, because I'll say it. Uh, you got somebody you really don't care for that much, and you go down the aisle, and you go down Walmart being a good little church, good little churchy person, right, good little Christian, and you see somebody you don't want to see, and then all of a sudden something catches your eye. Oh, look, a water bottle, hmm, on the shelf. Oh, why I didn't see that? Oh, hey, brother, I didn't, sister, I didn't see you there. Liar. <laughs> <laughs> We've all <laughs> try to Try to avoid people. And, uh, and what's the worst persecution? That somebody, uh, boy, they went down the road and they didn't wave at me. Can you believe that? They went down there. I'll come to church and they didn't shake my hand. And we, in America, we say, boy, we're suffering for Jesus. <laughs> boy, I went to church and, man, somebody said something a little out of the way to me and just hurt my feelings. And I'm thinking, boy, I tell you, you got it rough. And then, the, hey, but on a serious note, in other countries that if it really came down to, I'm talking about true persecution, I'm not talking about this pettiness, let me say it again, pettiness, pettiness. I'm talking about, they got they tell you to get on your knees and hold a gun to your head, and I'm going to tell you, you're going to find it real quick if you're a real Christian or not, or place you on the guillotine, or place you at a hanging, or an execution, and you got to make a decision right there, it's going to cost you your life, and they're going to say, Hey, do you believe? I'm going to give you one more chance to deny Christ. Do you believe him or not? We're going to find out what you're really made of. What we're all made of persecution. John 16 These things I spoke unto you that in me ye shall have peace. In this world, listen, in this world ye shall have tribulation. Now, we're not going through the tribulation the seven year tribulation period if we're saved but in this world you ye shall have not he said ye might ye shall have tribulation but I like this be of good cheer I have overcome the world John 15:20 if they have persecuted me they will also persecute you second Timothy 3:12. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Let me say a couple of things about this solemn fact of persecution. Number one, what's the reason for persecution? The reason for persecution is righteous, living a righteous life, not being religious, being righteous, right? Why did Cain kill Abel, his brother, the first murder in the Bible? Genesis four one through eight. 1 John three twelve says, "Not as Cain killed Abel, though not as Cain, excuse me, who was of the wicked one and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous, righteous." What is righteousness? We don't hear a lot about that today. Righteousness is li- simply living rightly. <laughs> right, I had that L Y on it. Rightly, living right. You know what righteousness is? You say, preacher, what can I do? The word righteous means anything that's decent, upright, <laughs> good. Sometimes some of come and say, preacher, is it okay? If I do this, let me tell you the answer to that. Save you and I a lot of trouble. If you have to ask me, is it okay, that I would probably 99% of the time say, you're probably convicted about it, and you already know the answer. Don't expect me to give you permission on something that ain't right. I was just wondering, you know, do you think, I had somebody ask me the other night, and basically what it was saying, it was talking about lying. It was basically lying. I just caught for what it is. It, would it be hard if I lie? Well, no. Do you really have to ask that? But, I mean, if you need verification, I'll be glad to tell you. <laughs> but, no, of course not. Now, we don't say, can I lie? We just, hey, is it hard if I stretch that truth just a little bit? A little white lie never hurt anybody type thing, right? Well, if we have to ask, the more likely God's telling you no. <laughs> He's telling you no. How y'all doing today? Aren't we having a good time at Faith Baptist and Bassett? You say, preacher, go easy. I'm giving you the night off. All right, second, don't think it's strange to suffer. Don't think it's strange to suffer. When I was a young preacher, I had some older preachers. They come to me, and they sing the hand of God on me. And they told me something I didn't understand. I didn't know what they were talking about. But I would find out in, in later years. And it's the same true of everyone that's living as a Christian. No one, now listen to what I'm saying. No one has ever been used greatly for God that has not first been hurt deeply. No one has ever been used greatly of God who has not it's somewhere in their life been hurt deeply. Look at godly people. I look at godly people in this church and people I've pastored over the years and some of the godliest people. If you study their life, if you look at their life, if you look back on their life, I guarantee you if they're a solid, salty Christian that you will find in their life a tragedy. A tragedy. And then preachers would come around and they would say, almost with tears bubbled up in their eyes and they'd say, God... We want you to use him, but we know you you can't use him greatly unless he's hurt deeply. You don't want anybody to go through hard times. You don't want anybody to go through suffering. You don't want anybody to go through pain. You don't want anybody to go through uh, these things. But I'm telling you, it's part of life. You're going to be used great right, of God somewhere in your life. You don't pray for it to happen. You don't want it to happen. You don't look for it to happen. You don't anticipate it. But there will be some uh, suffering that will be found in your life, and f- and through that, what happens to a lot of Christians is they've got the idea that the Christianity is the pie in the sky by and by, all right? That it's just smooth sailing. There's no dips. There's no hurts. Uh, there's no trials or suffering. Just say, hey, just serve God, and everything will be fine. That's not true. God didn't promise you a bed of roses. God didn't promise you an easy life. God didn't say it was going to be easy. God didn't say it wasn't going to be a lot of hard work. God didn't say it would not be some trials and circumstances in your life that you will go through. So don't think it's strange when things come in your life. Some of the greatest people I've known to suffer are godly people, God's people. We—it we, was a preacher years ago who used to travel and preach. Uh, Brother Jerry knows what I'm talking about. I can't think of his name right now, but... He would say, uh, why do uh, bad things happen to good people? Well, I'll take that a step further. The Bible says there is none righteous. No, not one. There are no good people. But I could change that and say, why do bad things happen to God's people? I've known God's people to suffer. And what happens a lot of times is we got this idea that I'm going to serve God, live for God, and everything's going to be perfect. And then a trial comes, or suffering, or a health issue, or uh, losing a loved one or something, and we say, God, I, well, I didn't sign up for this. And in the, if you don't know any better, there, there is the potential that you could get out of church, get away from God. But those thing, things in your life and tragedies and burdens and difficulties in your life are going to do one of two things. They have a purpose. They're either going to make you a bitter Christian. I've seen people go through some things and say, hey, listen, I tried to serve God, live for God, and, I, and they turn out Bitter towards god but it's supposed to supposed to if you respond correctly didn't say it's going to be easy didn't say it's not going to take some time to accept it didn't say you're going to hurt along the way i didn't say you're going to understand everything i didn't say you're ever going to get all the answers for it or god's going to give you an explanation for it i didn't say that but god you 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 say god i'm allow this to make me a better christian stronger christian that's its purpose. We think about the fire when it comes to persecution. What is the persecution supposed to do? purifies. We say somebody is going through a hard time. We'll say they're really going through the fire. Job 23, verse number 10. I like what Job said. Now, he couldn't say this until the end until he lost his family, lost his finances. His wife, own wife says, curse God and die. His own body uh, had bulls from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. He lost everything, his health, his wealth. His wife turns on him. Even his friends try to say, you're not serving God and live for God. And by the way, they were wrong. He didn't know about this conversation that was going on in heaven, that he was being an example, standing for God. And when he was rewarded the, back, the end of Job, he said these words after it was all over. Job 23.10, but he knoweth the way That I take. Hey folks. He knows my name. The Bible says. The very hairs on my head are numbered. You say well for me. That's not much of a challenge. Right brother James. But hey for some of us. That's quite the challenge. I love you brother. In the Lord. (laughs) But he knoweth the way that I take. But when he hath tried me. I shall come forth as gold Romans 8 28 and 29 boy I was thinking this morning about heaven man hey the sufferings of this life are just for a time those of us that are saved the worst thing the worst things that happen to us in this life is the worst it ever will be you hear what I said (laughs) the things that you suffer in this life will be the worst it will ever be because heaven will correct every health problem you have. (laughs) Heaven will correct every financial problem you have. Heaven will correct every mental problem you have. It will will correct every uh, family problem you have. Heaven is the antidote to all these things. And when Paul, all the suffering and persecution that he went through, through shipwreck and being lashed and whipped in the back and all these things, said these words, Romans 8, 29, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now here's, here's the verse we leave out, verse 29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The Bible also says, Paul says, For I reckon. And we say now, my uncles would say, I reckon, Right? In the South, he said, "I reckon we're gonna see you tomorrow." I reckon, but that's not what it means in the Bible. It's an accounting term. It's an accounting term. Paul says, "For I reckon" means he, brother Herbie, he sat down. He said, "I'm gonna do the math on this thing." He worked the calculation. He punched it through the computer. He didn't have a computer. But I'm just using that. He tabulated it up, and at the end, he come to this conclusion: this plus this equals this, and this we can, For I reckon. That the sufferings of this life is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Aren't you? I was thinking this morning, we're winding down, think about heaven. The Bible says in heaven, I'm thinking about that hymn, Miss Mary. You know, it's not in our hymnal, it's in some of the older ones. No night there, you know what I'm talking about? In the land of fair, in in, uh, the land of day is. There, there's a city four square. And, and there, there's no need for the light because the Bible says the Lamb is the light thereof. Did you realize that heaven would be dark, cold, cavernous, empty, muggy, musty if it were not for Jesus Christ? There's no need for light there because the Lamb is the light thereof. He illuminates heaven. The same sun, the that, S-U-N, that illuminates us in heaven will be the S-O-N. Amen. And one of these old days, that trumpet's going to sound. And all the saints are going to leave the ground. And we're going to say, the suffering, whatever I face in this life, whether it be death, tragedy, sickness, whatever it could be, we could say it was not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be in us. Would you stand with